This is Jeremy and Nathan's Canadian Filmmaking Adventures. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Jeremy here. And it's Nathan over here. Today we're, we're into the other P, uh, production, <laughs> which uh, is my least favorite of all the, the stages, which is weird because I do enjoy directing, but... Yeah, that, that is weird. Like I, I love pre-production. Okay. I love that that lengthy process and the ideas you can come up with because it's almost, it, in some ways you haven't spent any money. Now, to be clear here... So it's about the money. Yeah. <laughs> is that we're talking about production from a point of view of people who are creating their own uh, stories yes. and then trying to raise enough money and people to put, yeah. put those on. We're, we're not talking about money that has come to us and we've been hired to do these kind of things. We're talking about... No, you're right. I think there's almost sort of a persona that we're speaking to here. And it's similar to how we operate, where it's like that filmmaker that's kind of driving the whole process themselves. They're very much involved in all of it. They might be the writer. They might be the editor. They might do a whole lot, wear a whole lot of hats. Yeah. And I think this happens maybe a lot in Canada. And this is partly what makes Mm -hmm. this unique up here is that you have these people who are wearing all those hats, driving, you know what I mean? Anyway, so that's, I think that is the point of view that we're, we're coming at. Yeah. It becomes my least favorite. I do love the pre-production because generally it's, you're not spending too much money. Right. And all these ideas live in your head and the movie's made in your mind, right? Yeah. You've already seen it. Yeah. And then it comes to production and I'm like, oh man, I got to load the van. <laughs> I got to <laughs> I gotta dig out that cable that I know it's in my garage somewhere. Yeah. And it, and it becomes, I just need to get this done so I can get into my most favorite stage post-production, which I right. absolutely love. So production for me is always- It's very um, functional for you. It's yeah, like- Yeah. I, I, I need to get it done. So when I'm thinking of directing, I always try to make it the most economical as possible. By yes. going through how the shooting style. Um, I always tell my film students, you know, what do you own? What can you borrow? Or what can you make? And what can you steal? Right, right. Make that movie, <laughs> right? Because that right, movie yeah. is That's good. accessible. It's within arm's reach. You can make that movie next weekend. Right. Right? Um, write your big epics and write all those expensive films. Do write those. But if you want to make a movie, don't just sit around thinking, I want to make a movie. Just do those it, things. Mm-hmm. What do you own? What can you borrow? What can you make? Or what yeah, that's can you really steal? Great. We can add to that. <laughs> no, please don't. You know, someone might have an uncle who owns a restaurant. Good. Write a story in a restaurant because you yeah. have access to yeah. that. Don't yeah. write a story in a steel mill because you probably won't be able to get access to that. Don't write a story where you're stranded on a boat in the middle of Lake Ontario unless you have a boat. What do you have? You have a cool back porch or a neat sculpture or something somewhere. Like yeah. make a movie around that because sure. you can do that. So it's really like looking at your resources yeah. and creating something that, that matches what, what's available yep. to you. Yep, and that's what I did with my features, which was foyer. Yeah. And then the next one. Which and just was, spell that for us. So, oh, F-V-O-Y-E-R. Yes, yes. That was my first feature. And tell them that concept. I, I think so, we'll dive into each of these because your approach and style is is a really, I think, well, as you said, efficient one. <laughs> it was very efficient. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so tell us about foyer. So uh, I lived in an apartment building on Queen and Hunter Street in Hamilton. And if you turned, the, I can't even remember the channel. If you turned up your channel to one of the higher channels, yes. you got the security camera in the lobby. Yeah. And then I thought, would be great to make a movie like this. Like I just put a, a VHS cassette in the VCR, yeah. hit record and stage a movie in the lobby. And that's what I did. <laughs> I wrote a, basically wrote like a play in a way. Yeah. That was state, the whole movie took place from this point of view. So we rehearsed, we actually rehearsed in Toronto. Some of the actors were out there. And then one night mm-hmm. we got everyone wired up with wireless mics at like 3 a.m. and set action. And between 3 and 5 a.m. Wow. We did the whole movie in one take. Like in one take. 
There is no cuts. Like if there's static on the video feed, like I was unhooking the cable at the back oh of the VCR. It was on a VHS too. It was recorded on VHS, <laughs> That's right? Amazing. All in one take. Yeah. Um, this is, I guess, daring. It's daring. I don't know. It's, I, I saw it and I thought this could be done. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even. I didn't even need a camera because the, the apartment supplied the camera. So we you didn't. didn't you didn't have them. to go to Canadian Tire and rent. No, didn't have to rent a V. No, that's right. That's funny because yeah, I went right back to VHS for my first feature. <laughs> This is a few years ago, right? Like this was like t- two thousand and one. But May. but regardless, probably like it. the VHS shooting on VHS matched the content. It did. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be a security vision. feed. Yeah, right, like a, a found footage kind of thing. Yes. Right, not and not a horror found footage, like drama, police drama. Right. And so, uh, what happened then? Like, did, did it go well? Like, did the um, did it go as expected? Let me put it that way. The the shoot went yeah. great. Yeah, there was no no hiccup. Everyone met, hit their mark. It's a good thing we didn't have to do two takes because I told everyone we're just doing this in one take and that's it, then we're done. Yeah. One of the actors, he only, he had one line. He walked into camera and he said, come on, let's go. And he walked away. And after he was done, he got in his car and went home. Oh my gosh. So, he, so we're like, where is he? Where did he go? And, yeah. and they're like, he left after his, his shot. Wow. He, so it's he, a good thing we didn't have to do two takes. He believed you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah I, I think I've seen a good portion of it. I don't know that I've necessarily seen all of it. It did run in Hamilton reason. actually yeah. back at the movie palace. He actually ran it for a week. You know, a few, a few festivals, not too many. And then it just lives online now. Yeah. Huh. Now, are you willing to share about uh, your, your latest film? Yeah, so East End. Um, this is in post production. It's in right post production. My favorite. Yeah. It's in the. It's in my favorite <laughs> stage right now. This was about a year ago. I should also say that I'm. I run a film school here in Hamilton. Yeah. As part of the Hamilton Film Festival, I run the Hamilton School of Media Arts, and I'm always telling my students, "You can make a movie right now. You've got a phone in your pocket. It's a, basically a movie studio." Right. And and I'm always telling, "Don't wait. Just keep just keep shooting stuff." And I thought, yeah. "Well, I'll put my money where my mouth was," and I thought, "What could I do?" Yeah. That would be something that I could shoot in a short period of time that wouldn't be a lot of money. And then I did follow those rules. What do I own? What can I borrow? What can I what can I make? Yeah. And I thought, well, if I did a I was originally gonna shoot on the iPhone. Yeah. I was originally gonna do the whole feature on the iPhone and a few days before something went wrong with it and I've got these purple lines through my video. So luckily you stepped in and said, Hey, I've got <laughs> nine days free and I've got a black magic. <laughs> right. And so that worked but, out. But great. that said, like we you and I had talked a lot, probably almost a year about this film yep. that was living in your head and slowly making its way out. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, and you talked a lot about the shooting style, which still like took me a bit to fully mm-hmm. understand. It wasn't until we were on set that I fully understood what you were after um, when I could see it in front of me. But even though we switched cameras in the last moment, we still wanted to stay true to the style that you were going for yeah. with the iPhone. My thought was when we shoot this, uh, it's going to be multiple scenes. I'm going to have few actors, so actors that come in and out, of, come into the story, and we don't really see them again, so that I I wouldn't have to worry about having multiple actors stay on for many many days. Right? There's yeah. about 33 cast members or something. Oh, what's that? Mean? And they do, and some of them just are in for one quick scene, and then that's it. Right? Just to expand yeah. this world. And then the other idea was to every scene would be shot in a single take with no coverage, mm-hmm. uh, almost like. Um, and, and improvised as well. So the script is a treatment. There's no dialogue right. in the script. It was, right. Here's what we're going to do, and here's what we're going to do it. And then the camera would just kind of be like a fly on the wall in the room, seeing yes. what's going on. And that was the idea. Well, I thought if we do it that way, we can get you know one to three takes, sometimes only one take, yep. and then move on to the next thing. And I thought that would at least speed up that process because I didn't have a lot of time. I had a three-week window 
that we could shoot it in. Yeah. So apart from the sort of efficiency of it, creatively, why did you want to do it that way? If you're a director or an editor, you're in control of what the audience sees at every moment. You can choose what to show them or what not to show them. You know, if you do an extreme close-up and you don't show anyone where you are, then it lets the audience kind of wonder where they are, right? Creates a little bit of suspense. By denying them any cutaways or, you know, over-the-shoulder shots or, or insert shots, they're forced to just stare at what's happening in front of them. Right. And you know they're going to look in the corners, they're going to look around, but the action is happening between the people that are on screen. Yes. So it, hopefully it almost feels it's slightly uncomfortable that they don't have a choice. Right. We're not cutting to anything to like speed things along. They just have to sit there and listen to two people talk or three people talk or one person sitting there. Yeah. It almost puts them in that environment. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing, I wanted it to be street level, right? So there's no like high angles, low angles, nothing. It's as if someone is standing right there in the scene. Yeah. So creatively, that's what I wanted to do to make people feel like they were wandering the streets with this, this lead character. And I remember when we were on set on the first day, the first seven minutes, <laughs> I, I remember saying like, oh, well, should I get a close up on the such and such? And you're like, no, no, that's it. We got it. We're covering it this way. And we're, I'm not going to allow myself sort of to fall into the conventions because this is the, this is the vision for the whole thing. Right. And I, you wanted it to be consistent. And that's- it was hard for me to get my head around that. But um, as we got into it, I got it. Yeah. And I, I think in the end, I think it was a great way to do it. Uh, I just saw a cut last night. And, it, and it, it feels the way I imagined it. It looks, awesome. it came out really, really well. Yeah. Whether that translates over when an audience sees it is a different story. Right. When I said to you, nothing cinematic. Yes. Right? It was like, nothing cinematic. Just let's hang, let's, yes. this camera hang there. I that thought, was hard my favorite movie me. is Star Wars. How can I make not that movie? <laughs> what <laughs> can opposite. I do opposite, right? <clears throat> Instead of drawing on my influences, what if I push them away? Sure. Like, I think what's neat about it, though, is that it is driven. Yes, in part by efficiency, but it is driven by the audience experience that you want to give, mm-hmm. which is different than the norm. Right. I think that's really admirable to to take a risk in that direction. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it, it, I don't think it matters. Like the outcome doesn't really matter. It's like it was true to your vision. Right. 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 And so it's meant for the people who can appreciate that. If you're sitting around thinking, oh my God, it's going to take us this long because we got to do master shots and over the shoulders yeah. and this and that, think to yourself, do you, do you need it? Yes. Like, is it absolutely necessary that those shots are in there or are you just doing it because that's the way everybody does it? Yeah. And think to yourself, can you be efficient in more ways? Can you stage it like a play and just have the camera move around and maybe just by asking yourself those questions is, do I really need this or am I being motivated by other influences because yes. this director does it and they're my favorite director, then therefore I have to do it. Yeah. It and almost, that's how you create style, right? That's how you totally. create your own style by just limiting yourself to what you have access to. Then it becomes personal. Yeah. Like for you, I mean, I know you personally. If I didn't know you, I would say, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you have access to. I don't know what cool things you have in your house. But if you made a movie around those things, it's instantly going to be stamped to you yeah. and nobody else. Because That's nobody true. else has whatever trinkets you have in their room the way you have them. Or no one has an ant like you have, right? Yep. You're, they're very, very specific to you. And if you start with that, then that's how you build 
style because they're just things you have access to. And that's what like a lot of directors or actors or people talk about their early experiences. They say, well, this is, that's all I had. Mm-hmm. I could only do this because of this. And it created, you know, what you see here. And it yep. becomes almost their own style because they're not trying to emulate someone else. They're just trying to work with what they got. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you rethink sort of from the beginning, it brings you to a purer place with your material in a sense, rather than just jumping into the conventions. It's like you're actually, yeah. Do you know what I mean? A more authentic, more pure sort of approach. And I I remember speaking to a a producer once and talking about a budget of a, of a movie and they immediately said, well, the budget's going to go up because you know, you have this many characters and and in my head, I'm like, but you didn't ask me one question, which is very important. What's your shooting style? Yes. Like they, they, I think they immediately assumed that because of this, there's going to be coverage. You got sick people, you're going to have, you know, two shots and wide shots and close-ups and all that stuff. But I think that's the first question that has to be asked before you start budgeting things out. You can't just look at and say, okay, this is going to be this, this, this. You got to ask the director, What's your shooting style? How yeah. are you gonna, what's your plan for this? And then from there you can budget. I don't think you can just do that by looking at text on a page. No, there's, you got to have a sense of how it's going to be shot. Which I, you know, there's a movie you're about to send me a script for, and yes. one of my questions to you is how do you how do you plan to shoot this? What, what's this <laughs> What's this going to look like? When yeah, we see yeah. It, so. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there are so many different ways of approaching things these days. What about you? What's your approach? One thing that you just triggered for me is you know talking about special effects. I've got a couple of projects that I'm working on right now where. It calls for some sort of effect. Yep. And we're really noodling around, you know, how to how to do those things from partly from a creative point of view. Um, and we've had we've had this uh, script go out to special effects houses and that who've come back with, you know, pricing that is more than what we expected the whole film to cost, <laughs> right? But we didn't really have any conversations about it either. I've sort of identified in the script various things that need to be dealt with in some. Mm-hmm affect capacity, but no conversation with them about, you know, what options exist, how we might approach, you know, and I guess part of it is uh, we haven't quite reached a point yet where we've done storyboards either. Right. So that will help refine it as well. But that's where it's going to become my decision as the director to figure out how complex that vision is going to be. Right. And the one thing I'm talking about in particular is like a kid's film. And there is partly the school of thought out there where it's like, it's just for kids. <laughs> you know, you don't have to do anything too mm-hmm. complex. But at the same time, you know, you want the parents to be able to enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's got to have some dignity to it. You know, there's some people who are really into like the more old school effects, uh, puppetry mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the physical practical stuff. And I think that still has a place, even with all these new innovations in that. I've also been doing some testing in like Unreal Engine, for example. And uh, just with myself and some, you know, really sort of low-end mocap kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you can do a lot, especially now with some of the, like, Epic's released, you know, the, the new facial capture stuff. It's really detailed on the faces. I think if you are a little bit daring and a little bit uh, willing to think outside the box and maybe a little bit technical yourself, you ha- I think you, you have to be a bit technically minded, you can start to pursue some of these other possibilities, in particular for effects. Mm-hmm. I think generally my um, my default approach tends to be rooted in cinematic, cinem- cinematographic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I really like camera lighting. I love anamorphic lenses, so I'm always kind of pushing in that direction. Like in some ways, there are times where I think I've neglected, you know, stuff we're shooting in favor of looking really good, <laughs> right? And there's a place for that, but yeah, um, there is, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. So my default is to go to that more overproduced kind of look, you know, working on East End with you, it it did sort of uh, change my thinking. 
And I, I've always loved a nice long take uh, where the action kind of unfolds in front of you. You're going to love East End then. <laughs> I know, I know. I think you've just sort of, the way you, you've justified it, I think it's a good like pitch for people who are sitting there wanting to do something and not feeling like they don't have the resources, yeah. right? I think it's almost, it's empowering to know that it, you can adjust the style to make sure you get it done. Like, yep. Keep writing your complicated scenes and big budget epics. Like, yeah. There's no reason you can't still write them. Yes. Just if you want to make something, then that's a start. Yeah. Going back to our first episode, day one, yeah. is talking about every project you start is brand new and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And just to show that there, that's the truth. Cause as yes. I'm writing, like, how am I going to do this? What camera are you going to use? What you're always questioning, you know, how you're going to put together. If it's a creative decision, if you're generating the idea, yeah. as opposed to if you're hired and you've been given instructions on how this is going to go. Kind of sure. Thing. But if it's your own thing, 80% of filmmaking is problem solving. Yeah. It's I haven't true. proven that yet, but every second you're making a decision, where are we going to put this? Where's that going to go? Where are they going to come in? Uh, how are we going to like this, right? It's just constant yeah. problem solving. And I like very little problems during production. <laughs> no, I so get I try that. to keep it as simple as possible because I don't like the process yeah. of production. So I try to make it as enjoyable as possible. I, I think if people look at all these things as, as opportunities that are right there, as opposed to thinking that it's some far off thing, that yes. they have to go through all these things to achieve it. It's like you could literally take out your phone right now and follow those simple rules. What do you own? Yeah. What do you, what can you borrow or what can you make and, and make a movie on the weekend? Yeah. A short film and done. You don't always have to release it. You work out your, your kinks. I think yeah. everyone also thinks that if you shoot something, you have to release it. Right. Not everything is fridge worthy, as I say. Like, right. if you have <laughs> kids, they'll bring it. home all kinds of pictures. <laughs> they don't all make it to the fridge, no, right? There's no, a certain few that that's going on the fridge. Yeah. And the yeah. other ones you file under R. I remember hearing years ago that uh, Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. like, I think it was actually in his book, he said, um, you got to make the first 12 movies, get them out of the way so you can start making the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you're right. Yeah. Not everything is necessarily going to be fridge worthy. I have a movie that's not fridge worthy. It's sitting in this room in like eight cans of 16 millimeter film. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I shot it. I, I didn't shoot it. I directed it, wrote it, edited it on 16. Yeah. Went through the whole process of, you know, syncing and, and editing on a flatbed and then having a, that transferred to, to digital so I could do the sound edit. And then I looked at it. I'm like, nope, that's, this is where this journey ends. <laughs> so this is like 1998. That's really Early millennium. So I have this movie. When it came to the doing the sound, I, I watched it back. I'm like, thanks. Wow. Thanks for the experience, Nathan. Yeah. And that was it. It's not fridge worthy. I've done a number of talks, like career day type talks in high schools and that. And the first thing I always talk about is how when I started out, I'd been working in Toronto for like a year or so as a PA on a number of productions. And then I just got so tired of that, like just the way you're treated. And <laughs> I just couldn't handle it. But I also couldn't really see, you know, the logical stepping stones to get from that to like producing or directing, right? It was going to take years and years and years. And I just thought, I might as well enjoy this process more and just come home and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And that's basically when I started my company. And so I made this commitment at that point. I was going to write my film because I had this film in my head that everything I was doing, the dialogue was like going through my head, right? I'd be working on this job and I could hear those words, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I just had started getting it down on paper and I spent about a month uh, writing it out my parents got behind it. My dad had just retired, so he was available. And, you know, and they, they wanted to support it. So it was like this little family unit. We were like committed to making this film, right? So we did the auditions and everything else. But the, my point is, 
It was just the, and I even bought gear at that point. I got a loan, bought some gear. It was just the act of starting that. My phone started to ring hmm. from, you know, people I knew or kind of knew who were looking for video work, right? So it was, it was sort of like the act of committing to that. I hadn't even made the film yet, got me work. There was, there was just something to like the energy of that. That was a really that was really important yeah. to my career process because it lives and dies with you. Yeah, it really does unless you take those steps. Yeah, and and I say it a lot to my students, especially those who aren't familiar with networking or how to network. It's like you just got to go out and say who you are and what you do. Yes, that's all you really need. Yeah. I'm so and so. I'm an editor, and you just don't know who's in the room. Oh, I'm looking for an editor. Or oh, I heard someone who who needs an editor. I'll put you in touch. Yeah, and it just kind of snowballed. But no one is looking for you until you, they know you exist. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. It's just starting that process. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always felt like it was when they saw that I was serious about it. Mm-hmm. That kind of changed people's thinking about what I might be able to do for them. You yeah. Know? So so here's me on a, on a day of production, and I'm loading the van, and I'm cursing every second of it because I it's. It, that's all I think about when I think about production. I don't think of all this great stuff that happens on set. I'm like, I got to load the van. I got to stop by so-and-so to get muffins for people because they're yeah. going to be there early. And I got to get a take 12 of coffee. And then I got to load the van at the end of the day. That's that's always in my head. And how long is that going to take? What is your day of product? Your day of production? What? Yeah. What's going on in your mind? It's always, yeah, a little crazier than you want it to be. And I guess it depends on what crew you have mm-hmm. and what responsibilities you were able to delegate <laughs> and how much is sitting on your own you know, plate. I, always, I really like it. Like, for example, we did a film a few years ago called Artless, and it was a feature film uh, shot mostly in Hamilton, a little bit in New York. But we had this kind of core team, and the lighting guy I work with I went to college with. We have. It's almost like um, like we don't even have to speak, and we kind of mm-hmm. can communicate. You know what I mean? And then there were a couple other guys who are just like incredible at what they do. We had a cameraman, sound guy, hair and makeup, and that was about it. It was sort of this core group of about five to seven people, and everyone was there for the whole thing. Fortunately, I was able to kind of hand a lot of the gear off to you know the camera guy and that. And Ed, the lighting guy, he has his own lighting gear that he would bring. So those responsibilities weren't so much in my hands. Christina that I was working with on it, uh, you know, we were kind of producing it together. So we were constantly like planning the next couple of days or what's that location we need or, you know, we were sort of working those things out uh, as as we went. A shoot day for me on that was, you know, get up, really figure out what those shots are Mm -hmm. and dial that in over breakfast, <laughs> you know. Uh, I was also in it. She and I were both in it too. So I would have a little bit of time when I was getting makeup or whatever to sort of figure a few more things out. Or, But I really like to walk through things at the beginning of the day and sort of work through with everybody, you know, the plan. And, you know, maybe you might rehearse a scene or two and just work out some bugs and then people can go and do their stuff and do, you know, do their yep. specialization. And then Then we'll all come back together in a little bit. And, uh, and really like refine it sort of thing. Is that what you do now? You, you prefer to like do your meetups in the morning kind of thing and let everyone know this is what we're going to do and then trust that everyone's going to go off and do it? Or, or do you do this like well into in, in pre-production? Like here's what we're going to do and oh, I see this is where the camera's going to go and that's that. Or do you have a bit of freedom when you're... Okay, so this is maybe... What's interesting is that, yeah, your process might be a little more front heavy than mine. Like I right, actually, right. I actually enjoy, like when it comes to actors, yeah, I mean, this, maybe this isn't that different, but I don't necessarily like to tell them where to stand 
at the mm. beginning. I might have a bit of a plan yeah, yeah, worked yeah. out on paper. And, you know, this is a situation, I'm, I'm talking about a scenario where you don't have maybe a lot of special effects or anything mm -hmm. that requires like departments right. planning things out. This is really like a dramatic mm -hmm. uh, type of film. Um, yeah, I, I very much want to see what the actor's going to bring, where they're going to stand, where they're going to go. But then the difference is I'm going to do a bunch more takes and we're going to dial it in. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I might have my plan on paper and I might totally abandon that and yeah. that's okay because... As you, as you, I'm sure, would agree, like there is something beautiful about seeing what people bring to it, like yep. those unexpected Absolutely. bits that the actors bring. And I think this is where I'm a real proponent of like a, a positive, healthy set environment. Yes. I, I've been a part of sets where you have that dictator. And, and the reason I think it's particularly horrible, apart from watching them berate people, and you've hired all these great people <laughs> and you're not letting them do what they're great at. right. Because you won't listen. Mm -hmm. So I really love collaboration. And I'm going to have my vision, but uh, and I'm going to allow people to contribute, and, but I'm not also going to be scared to tell them when I don't want it that way. So together, we're going to kind of dial it in. And that's the same for lighting. That's the same for yeah. audio, whatever. You know, I might not be crazy about where the sound guy puts the mic. And I'll, we'll have a conversation about that. Yeah. A, a nice one. And we'll work it out together sort of thing. Everyone always says you make your movie three times, right? When you write it, when you film it, and then when you edit it, you get three different movies, right? Yeah, it's true. I do like that breathing room. It's yeah. nice to have a conversation with someone and have them just naturally say something yeah. back as opposed to find, following every line that's in the... So what was really important in that process for you was, I witnessed it, was having that conversation about um, where is it going to go? Like there were beats you needed to hit, but there were never specific lines. Right. But everyone had to really understand who they were and where they were coming from. I'm talking about the actors here. Yeah. To be able to go through that arc of the scene. Like you had those long conversations with people while we were setting up or whatever else. Yeah. yeah. That really got them in the headspace. Yeah. And they all did great because we yeah, didn't do anything cool. longer than three takes. I think. Yeah. I think there's a good handful of one takes. Usually when we did it, yeah. uh, multiple takes, it was more a technical issue. Yeah. But there is, I think, uh, something really nice about leaving a certain portion of it to spontaneity. Yeah. And, you know, you might design those shots, but you allow them to change mm -hmm. because you're probably going to end up with something better. Yeah. yeah. And that's, the, you know, that's, you and me, we're pretty laid back, I think, and we enjoy a, a positive attitude on set and we want yeah. everyone to be, feel good and, and feel like that they're, that they, they eat well, <laughs> but that they feel that their talent is, is yes. being used to let them shine a little bit. That's right. And that might not be the case with some people. There might be some, people that go into production that have a very strong vision of what they want and that's yep. it. And, and you know, power to them if that's what they do to get what they want. One thing that's maybe different about how I made films 20 years ago versus today is that everybody involved 20 years ago didn't care about the money. They were all excited for opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you reach a certain point in your career where you feel like you can't ask people to do stuff for nothing. Correct. Yeah. But, um, but there are people out there uh, more than, you know, we probably realize Absolutely. who are excited who would love to have that opportunities, particularly yep. actors. I think there's not enough opportunities for these people right. in general. Uh, so they're eager to put some time and energy into it. Like the first film I did years ago, yeah, really all we did was we fed people really well. Mm -hmm. They know what the gig is and you don't ask too much more than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, everyone was okay with that. But anyway, yeah. And you, you wouldn't get anything made if you didn't have some form of like commitment from other people where yes. they're like, let's just do this, yeah. right? It would be very, very difficult um, to do that because budgets are so low. And even, sure. even people that are 
successful in the industry, asking them to do it. Sometimes they're happy to do it because it reminds them of film school. Yes. Or they just want to change. I, I, you know what? I'll do it this weekend because I just want something different. Sure. And uh, you'd be surprised sometimes if you just ask people. So much of it is about is about the who. Like when mm-hmm. people believe in you, right? They'll you know give you the shirt off their back. Yep. And one thing I loved doing a number of years ago, we got involved in some 24-hour film festivals, mm-hmm. which was like, I, I could talk for an hour just about those, but there's <laughs> something about the process of that. It forces you to really um, to really understand if you know how to make a film, yeah. right? Because with the 24-hour film festival, and there's a few around, there's some 48-hour ones and whatever else, but... Um, you have to go from concept to completion in 24 hours. Usually you come in with a team, so you know who's going to be in it mm-hmm. or whatever else. So you're kind of, like you said, this is about what resources do I have? Well, they're all sitting yeah. there in that room right. <laughs> in the first you know, moment. And that's all you have to work with. And you've got to write it, you've got to go out and shoot it, and you've got to plan your time so you can sleep and whatever else. But they really do, I think, sort of define you and your abilities as a filmmaker. Because mm-hmm. it's all kind of happening in this compressed Time period, right? Yep. I think, you know, maybe this is a great challenge to our listeners is like, give yourselves yep. 24 hours, give yourself 48, whatever it is, and see what you can come up with. Yep. Look around, find those resources, bring them all into a room on the first hour yep. and have a conversation and then just go at it. Yep. Pull out your phone, shoot some stuff. Yeah. Figure out how you're going to edit it and then, then put it up on YouTube. Or show your family, right? Doesn't have to go to the fridge. No, right. And I don't think you, you know, we're we're sort of in some ways when we say that we're talking to maybe a, a newer type filmmaker, mm-hmm. but I don't think you're ever too old or experienced to do that sort of thing. I'm old, yeah. And East End inspired me. <laughs> I'm like, I need to make a movie now, exactly. And it doesn't matter. There are so many professionals yes. that I talk to on a regular basis, and they're just. It, when it's their own creative project, they're stuck. Yeah, I just can't get the funding. I yeah. just can't get it next to this thing. I just and and then it's like, well, maybe just rethink it somehow. Yeah, right. Or maybe don't do that one just yet. Yes. If you're really desperate to do something, there's another way. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are, or how professional you are. There's yeah. a lot of people that are still in ruts of things when they're doing their own creative project. And no, getting it's it true. You yeah. have to keep those juices flowing. Yeah, and and I think too, you have to like when you have those ideas that sit with you for years and years and years, you got to get those out. Mm-hmm. So you can move on, so you can find new ideas. You know what yeah. I mean? You got to make room yep. for the next thing, the next, you know, for better things. Um, yeah. So it's like you just, it's a practice, really. Yeah. It's a practice. And you got to keep doing it. You might it. surprise yourself. So, so if, you know, after listening to this podcast, if we've inspired anyone to go out and shoot something, reach out to us and, yeah. and share with us what it is you did. And we'll find a way to put up a link. You know, we'll call it the inspiration list or something. And we'll, yeah. Just put up uh, uh, some links to what it is that people came up with just from, you know, being inspired to just get out and do some things. Yeah, I'd love to be able to share some of that. Yeah. That That would be great. I would love to see it because everyone's got a different voice. Everyone has a different story to share. Yes. All right. Well, reach out to us. Say hi. Let us know what you're working on or what you created. We'd love to hear about it. And the adventure continues. Next time, what are we talking about, Nathan? We are talking about my favorite (laughs) post-production. There's a special place in your heart. All right. Thanks so much for listening in, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you next time.